0: Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. All right. How is the city holding up with COVID-19 and this pandemic? Paul Johnson is with us, the director of Emergency Operations Center, and he is with us now. Paul, thanks for the time. Much appreciated.
1: Hey, great to uh, join you. love the lead in music, and I thought I might get a new host today, but I, uh, you and I will continue our <laughs> conversation. So.
0: You know what?
1: You, <laughs> you know let what? me know that new host. I'll come on anytime, any day, and talk to that new host. <laughs>
0: Shh, we don't want to say that too loud. Oh, no, now he's banging on the glass. You know, it was funny. There when, we I go. To, when I asked him to do that, I'm not sure whether he would be into it or not, and then he really got into it, and that kind of concerns me. I'm not sure that's a good idea. Uh, anyway, Paul, thank you so much for taking the time. Time. Much appreciated. Uh, the last time we chatted, you were talking about setting up uh, an emergency shelter situation in uh, the first Ontario Centre. That was prior to Easter weekend. Uh, just give us a bit of an update on what's happened there and where we are with that.
1: Sure. Uh, great work over the weekend. Uh, some of our city staff, but in particular the Good Shepherd Centers, who's operating the uh, the new shelter uh, that's located at First Ontario Center moved in 15 people immediately on that Saturday evening and I understand now we're we're over uh, 30 at that site so uh, you know it's it's built for Uh, up to 50. And, uh, you know, I I think we'll we'll get there. And again, the goals of this were uh, to do two things. One is to provide some extra capacity in a new location, but also to ensure that the other shelters were able to keep to a more acceptable level that would allow for physical distancing in the other three men's shelters. So it had a dual purpose. And uh, I'm really thankful for all the people who pulled it off uh, in very short order to get this thing set up and, and going.
0: And for those that don't know, uh, as you mentioned, Good Shepherd, uh, very much involved in this as well. But this is primarily, this is a man's shelter, right? That, this, that's the whole prerogative here. That's the idea behind this, to just allow for space. It is.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a men's shelter, so it's an expansion there. We felt we needed to take down the uh, the, the numbers in the men's shelters. For the women's shelter system and the family shelters, uh, we've been using uh, different approaches to, again, make sure the physical distancing is, is maintained in, in those facilities and we'll continue to do that through a variety of of uh, options such as hotel rooms. So uh, it's a multi-pronged approach depending on the population. But yes, uh, this was specifically focused on our men's system, which when we did the analysis and talked to the shelters, uh, the fear was that as we move through uh, the next few weeks that, um, again, putting too many people too close uh, together and congregate settings, uh, whether it's long-term care, retirement home, group homes, or emergency shelters are the big concern. Uh, if you, when you see outbreaks there, They're happening in in these environments and uh, we want to do everything we, we possibly can. Um, it's not perfect solutions what we have, but we're working very hard to make sure we have the best uh, type of approach. We quickly isolate individuals within the shelter system. Uh, the staff are well trained to isolate people who are showing symptoms. And then we do have for COVID positive uh, individuals who require shelter and a place to uh, to recover and, and get through the illness. We do have a, an isolation shelter, which I'm happy to say at this particular moment is empty. The individual who was there um, went through the protocols after being there for for, for two weeks and uh, had uh, negative tests and, and is now uh, no longer needed to, to stay at the isolation shelter. So, uh, you know, a system's in place, and, and you know, in an emergency, you have to do the best you have with the resources you have. And what I am very pleased about is that uh, we worked at making sure that we can do a better job of physical distancing within within shelters and that we're providing whatever support and training and, and materials that are necessary in order for people to continue to do the infection control methods that, um, uh, that that are required in these these communal settings, it's it's just very tough. There's so many people using the same areas to dine, to go to the washroom, to be in the same places, and unfortunately, that's a that's a, a great way for this virus to spread.
0: Uh, Speaking of of communal environments, uh, another uh, situation which has just drastically um, uh, increased in the last several days is what is happening in nursing homes. How concerned are you about the city's nursing homes, Paul?
1: So uh, concerned across the the entire spectrum of where people live in those congregate settings, so that does include long term care and retirement homes, but as I say, it also includes residential care facilities, group homes, uh, and emergency shelters. We're concerned across all of them because uh, as I mentioned, this is a, an environment where you have to be very, very uh, attuned to how this virus can spread very quickly. And the fact that you have staff taking care of so many people, uh, there has to be great care taken in ensuring that the staff that are working in these uh, environments aren't um, uh, unbeknownst to them spreading the virus throughout the environments. And you know, what we've seen is that there have been a couple of, of major clusters and uh, that have resulted in, in deaths uh, both in a long-term care facility and, and one re- retirement residence. I would say that uh, you know part of the the praise that I'll give particularly in the long-term care situations is that in some other long-term care facilities where they're declared an outbreak when they have either a staff person or one resident and it can only it's 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 as soon as you have one of uh, either a resident or a staff person you're an outbreak in many cases that outbreak hasn't increased and so our medical officer of health the other day said uh, you know that shows that people are understanding the importance of uh, their infection control processes and procedures and uh, You know, I I know these folks work incredibly hard, but, Scott, we have thousands of people that live in these settings. And uh, this is, is where that virus can spread quite quickly if people aren't vigilant on a daily basis.
0: You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. What about testing for these facilities? Are you uh, concerned or are you uh, 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 hopeful that there is enough testing for these facilities so we can identify these problems when they do arise?
1: So I I think that uh, the calls that I've been on and the conversations that I've been a part of that uh, there is a sense that we can continue to test and, and test in appropriate ways, and, and we've been doing some of that and including, you know, going into some of the, the facilities that we've talked about that have had significant challenges and, and making sure that there's an increase in testing so we can just get a handle on what we should be doing and how we should be containing the outbreak. So public health works very strongly with organizations once they hit outbreak, and as I say, that outbreak is one person, so that's the time you jump on it and you make sure that you do some testing. Uh, around it and um, and and you know I uh, I don't think we're as concerned with the access to product now recently that's been solved a little bit uh, we do need to be careful not to overwhelm our testing facilities uh, which is why there's still guidelines around who is tested this isn't a case where you know people will be coming door to door to everybody and, and testing whether you have symptoms or not this is a process that's trying to expand the testing that's done and make sure that we are we are getting good information, uh, but it's done in an appropriate way that will actually help, actually help us deal with the situations rather than just uh, you know having uh, tons and tons more people getting into the testing regime.
0: And what about the hospitals? How are they coping? I understand as the numbers is, as of yesterday, 23 have been hospitalized. How how are the institutions, the hospitals, uh, coping with this?
1: Well, you know, the great news in Hamilton is that uh, that we haven't seen a tremendous surge in hospitalizations uh, either from um, you know a, a normal bed scenario as uh, as I call it, or the intensive care unit uh, folks. Certainly, there have been uh, some cases in hospital and and unfortunately some um, of those cases uh, those individuals have passed away. but uh, this has just generally not been as big a, an issue in the hospitals as as we hope, and I think this all comes back to, are we doing the right things? And I think we are. Uh, the question will be, as we run through the next few weeks, uh, and have some of these outbreaks that are occurring in, in long-term care facilities or other congregate settings whether some of that uh, needs to be transferred to hospital most time the care can be provided within the home and so i think that uh, hospitals have um, uh, have done a great job in sort of planning for this and being prepared and we're we're fortunate if you look at the numbers in hamilton to be seeing that that uh, trend line is is on the lower side of what uh, multiple projections were and so i you know you you do take a A sense of of positivity from that. And then the other thing that happens is people say, okay, so can we just open up and let's get going again? And the answer to that, unfortunately, is, is no, we're at this critical period to continue to do what we're doing because it is working. Uh, a simple, okay, it's uh, only in a few facilities, it doesn't seem to be overwhelming the healthcare system, let's get back to life as we knew it, Uh, will take us back to a situation where we will get overwhelmed. Uh, The reality is that by waiting five weeks, as you said, uh, we haven't uh, magically in the community developed a herd immunity to this. Um, You know, this is still a a, a virus that will affect people if if they come in contact with it at a fairly high rate. Not everybody will require hospitalization, uh, of course, but um we have to be careful with how we open up um our communities and i think a lot of thinking in the next few weeks will be about how we do that well and how we're going to manage this over a period of months moving forward can't stay locked down forever but um you know we have to be careful with this as it as it moves forward the other thing i'll say about the hospitals which i've really appreciated from from my seat on the municipal side is They have been so accommodating and helpful when we've run into challenges with uh, whether it be at a facility side, needing to step in and help out. Uh, Our hospitals are always there. So there's a really good connection between the municipality, the hospital, our medical officer of health and uh, and all of these health facilities, and that that means we can quickly address situations. You know, some may not, you may say, well, why is the why is the municipality involved in this? And the answer is, well, we don't want it to overwhelm municipal services either. We don't want to get into an emergency situation. We want to understand where um, where these things are going and see how the municipality can help out health and how health can help out the municipality.
0: So here we are, Paul, five weeks. We're starting week five here. What has been your biggest challenge to this point?
1: So it's gone in waves. So the first biggest challenge was uh, how do you shut down a city in, in literally days? Um and, and we we did that and then how do you help the community understand what all these closures mean? And how do you reorient your ability to deliver service as a a city? So there's been a lot of internal work. We have a lot of people working from home who used to work in offices. We have a lot of services that are being delivered in different ways. And then, of course, we have a whole bunch of things that we've simply closed down. So that was a really big effort in those first two to three weeks. Now we're shifting into how do we deal with the human side of this? So we're very concerned about populations that the city has a strong involvement with uh, when it comes to homelessness uh, and, and that population for sure. We are working, as I say, alongside health to understand um, what might happen if there are significant problems in in, um, uh, retirement homes or long-term care. We don't want that to occur. And then we're, of course, protecting our own staff because, uh, you know, as people get sick and aren't able to work, that could impact our ability to deliver service and, you know, transit and and some of our public works work. uh, But, you know, we've got our shelter workers and our housing workers out there on the front lines, too, alongside our, our first responders. So we're trying to make sure that we do that well. And now I would say in the next week or so, we're going to start to turn our attention to what does opening up some of these services look like. Uh, We're certainly not there for another few weeks, but I would say the biggest question on our plate right now is what is the evidence in terms of how best do you start to uh, to open some things up? And I know that much of that will be happening at the provincial level in terms of some of the business side of it, but we've got to think about it in terms of city services as well. And, um, and away we go. But I'll, I'll just say this, I've been greatly impressed by our, our city staff and the way they've been able to adapt. So we've had council meetings, there's one going on right now. Uh, that are being done virtually. We have way more people working from home and supported by our IT department uh, on a dime. And uh, you know, normally if you had said, hey, how do we get hundreds of staff working from home? Um, somebody would say, well, that's a good two-year project. And we gave them both <laughs> two days. So uh, the, the innovation and the ingenuity of our staff have come to the forefront in so many ways. And uh, now we'll have to figure out what does it mean when we start to get back to a little more business as usual
0: there you go and kudos uh, kudos to the city and all levels of government for rowing on the same direction for rowing in the same direction on all of this Paul Johnson with us director of the Emergency Operations Center for the city of Hamilton we're in good hands Paul thanks so much for sharing what you can uh, greatly appreciate it and good luck thank you the Scott Thompson show weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 chml